the Ram Studio, connected by AT&T. Welcome to Between the Horns. It is March 7th. I'm Miles Simmons. I'm joined by Voice of the Rams, J.B. Long. And there's a lot to get to. Uh, the Combine just happened. We'll talk a little bit about that. But free agency obviously opens on Thursday, JB, and there are some things coming out right now about the Los Angeles Rams, and not necessarily free agency, but about Trumaine Johnson and the rumor that the Rams could possibly be shopping him around for a potential trade. Just your reaction. Well, first, you were on it this morning, 9 a.m., right? You had the, uh, what do you call the tampering period? Yeah, it's the legal, the tampering, legal tampering period. period. That was yes, a great way to, to start this day on yeah. my drive into work. <laughs> Um, so on Tremaine, I'm glad that they exercised their option to franchise tag him. I'm mm -hmm. glad Tremaine signed on the dotted line as soon as possible. I don't blame him. To me, that was just kind of the start of the conversation because I think each of those moves made sense uh, in their own right. Yeah. But I'm not sure that paying one player $17 million to play corner for the Rams team in 2017 is an ideal scenario. Now, by putting that franchise tag on him for the second year in a row, I think the Rams should be and are willing to do so if necessary. And, yes. and they won't be upset if he ends up playing for them and hopefully plays at a level um, that warrants that price. But if there's another scenario out there that allows uh, them to recoup some of that cap space and maybe deal Tremaine to a situation that makes as much or more sense to him long-term, and, and I'll include Los Angeles in that conversation, uh, being willing to trade him, I, I also would, I think, be part of being willing to sign him to a longer extension mm -hmm. if the price was right and the years were right. Uh, the, the interesting thing about this Johnson story is that I, I think all of what the Rams have kind of done to this point makes sense because look, Tremaine Johnson is a very good corner, right? I don't, can we put him in the elite conversation in that elite category? I don't know if he's there yet. I think he has a chance to possibly be there, um, particularly if he is coached by a guy like a Wade Phillips, who we have seen take defenses and take defensive players and make them into elite level players, mm -hmm. right? But at the same time, I think, like you said, you know, when you have that franchise tag number, he's going to be under that for the second year in a row. You have a Rams team that has not had a winning season in uh, years. But, I mean, you look at the last five years of the last regime, right? You have seven wins for four of those, excuse me, three of those seasons, six for one, and mm -hmm. then four and 12 in, in 2016. Yeah, it's sort of like you have to ask yourself, okay, is this a player that we know we can build around for the future? Or if the price is right and if somebody gives us the best offer, can we then move this player mm -hmm. and get a good draft pick, invest you know, in that younger kind of group of players, because this is a deep secondary draft um, by all accounts. But then you also, by doing that, would eliminate a lot of that cap room. You know, you would gain some of it back because all that money right now is on the books for Trumaine Johnson. Right. And so if you did, if you then were to trade a Trumaine Johnson, you get that cap space back, that's something that you can then maybe, hey, say, hey, you know, I'm going to invest this into a different position in terms of free agency, and then you go into the draft, and then maybe you, you draft a corner or you draft a safety or secondary guy there. Yeah, I'm, I don't disagree that Wade Phillips and his staff have the potential and the intention of making Tremaine Johnson a all-pro caliber player or near that, but I would also point out that he's had seasons similar to that level uh, under the previous regime yes, and, under, yes. and under Greg Williams, yeah. so uh, maybe he'll have the chance to be reunited with that system. We'll yes. see when you look for potential trade partners. 
uh, I would think uh, there'd be a couple of critical elements. One would be having the money to make it work, and, and Cleveland appears to be one of those franchises mm -hmm. at the start of free agency. Um, and then the other would be kind of ready to win right now. Is Tremaine the piece that takes your defense um, from being a division contender to a division winner or sure. from being a playoff team to a Super Bowl contender? Uh, if there's that match, then uh, hopefully from the Rand standpoint, if a trade were to go through, those are going to be the trade partners who are most likely to offer you uh, compensation that you would be interested in. All right. And the original report came out um, from Ian Rappaport just about, I think, 10 minutes before noon Pacific uh, here in L.A. And then the, the next thing that has come out then since Ian Rappaport tweeted that is he also put out there, you know, keep an eye on the Cleveland Browns hmm. as one of those potential landing spots. And, of course, you know, when you're talking about the Browns, You've got Greg Williams, former Rams defensive coordinator. He is the defensive coordinator over in Cleveland now, and that, I think, would make it a pretty good scheme fit. You know, you talk about somebody who already knows who the player is and how he plays and all that kind of thing. So, And they also, of course, have a boatload of money in cap room, and then that is also, again, going to help you facilitate what would obviously be a long-term deal if you're going to make that kind of move. Yeah, and, and I think... From the Rams standpoint, you're looking for what might be a better fit for uh, 2017 and beyond, right? Would mm -hmm. you be willing to trade one expensive year of Tremaine Johnson? Let's just operate on the assumption that he is not interested or, or, or does not strategically want to sign a long-term extension when he could just play one year on $17 million. Um, Are you in a position in what is uh, described as one of the deepest position groups in this draft class to get... Uh, someone in the second, maybe the third round, who might be able to give you four, the option of five years of service at a, at a much less expensive level and maybe build along the same timelines as the trajectory of your roster. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, that would be ideal. Um, and, and I think from everything I've seen and read about this class, uh, which has been described as from the corner and safety position, the best that some analysts have ever seen, sure. uh, I think there's good potential to get a player who, in short order, could perform at a Tremaine Johnson level. I yeah. mean, that's the hope. That's what you would go looking for. Right, exactly. So if we, we you know, sort of take this hypothetical a little further, what do you think the Rams could get for Tremaine Johnson? Well, you'd have to see uh, who your trade partner is and, and what the extension terms are, right? Sure. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't think there's a great price tag for one year at $17 million. If, if he's someone who you can build uh, your secondary around, uh, on an extension, that, that might be a different story. And again, my, my uh, target area from, from this side uh, as someone being willing to part with someone of Tremaine's talent would be uh, where do we need to be in terms of a draft pick to feel like we could get a player with replacement, I don't want to say replacement value because you can't bank on any college player coming in and doing mm -hmm. what True does for this defense, but replacement potential sure. is, is probably how I would phrase that. Yeah. So, I don't know, second round pick, third round pick, because that's kind of what I would be thinking. Late second, early to mid third, probably what you could expect. I mean, because I, I saw on Twitter, you know, these rumors start coming through and then people start tweeting, oh, man, they get this could be the first round pick replacement. And I, I just think because of a lot of factors, you got to temper that mm -hmm. because, you know, Trumaine is a, a corner that has not been to the Pro Bowl. You know, he should have gone probably after the 2015 season where he had uh, second most interceptions right. in the league with seven. But then, you know, you look at his performance, and this is something that Les Snead brought up too. You know, you got all those takeaways in 2015, then you went down to one with the interceptions um, in 2016. So you got to look at that and sort of ask, okay, what happened? Why did that happen? And I think 
one of the factors could even be uh, that Janoris Jenkins was not playing mm -hmm. opposite him in 2016, where that had been the case uh, the previous four years. So I think it's all of those things that if you could get that kind of late second, that early to mid third round in there, that is sort of what I think might be a good value for trading somebody of Johnson's caliber. Uh, to your quick point there about not getting a, a first-round pick in exchange, let's assume that's the case. The good news is there seem to be a good number of uh, safeties and corners with first-round grades who will still be available at 37. So even though that might not be the pick that you get for Tremaine Johnson, again, these are massive hypotheticals. Right, yes. Maybe if you know you have another one in the second or early in the third, it allows you to go out and get the, the potential replacement for that position loss, knowing that you have other draft equity uh, to bolster your linebacker position mm -hmm. or maybe to have uh, a wide receiver that you like fall into your lap a little bit later on in the draft. Yeah. The, one of the things, though, that I, I kind of want to get to with Shermaine Johnson is sort of Les, Sneed com Les Sneed's comments um, last week at the Combine, which I, I thought were interesting. And to me, it, it made sense what he was saying. And that was kind of before, obviously, any of this trade stuff started you know, mm -hmm. to come out. But what he was saying there is that he figured it, it's a good decision for the Rams to tag him because you want to be cautious when you're going long-term, right? And he said, you know, one of the things that they've, they've been talking about is, okay, how does Trumaine Johnson fit with the new defensive scheme? How does he mesh with the coaches? You want to kind of give yourself a little bit of time to figure that out. And so he was saying that, you know, they're not necessarily just going to have Trumaine Johnson play out uh, this year on this one-year deal, but what they want to do is at least give the coaches a chance to interact with him, to mm -hmm. see how he plays um, on, on the grass, you know, in the classroom during those OTAs during that off-season program. And then he said, Lesneed said, you know, after that, then there's a window in June, July, up until that July 15th deadline where they could maybe get something worked out. So if there is no trade, then there still is that long-term deal potential for the Rams and Trumaine Johnson. It makes sense. Uh, I, I would like to think that that evaluation in terms of whether or not you would like this individual to be here long term uh, is maybe a little bit more readily available in terms of what you're seeing in game tape yes. as opposed to necessarily needing to see him in, in OTAs. Mm -hmm. But I, I think the timeline for what you're saying makes sense that uh, to have the right to negotiate out until that deadline of July 15th you needed to take this step first. Right, exactly. And so then, you know, when Tremaine Johnson comes in and he signs it, well, that that does two things. I mean, it allows the Rams to be able to trade him, but also makes it so that he's getting his money. Prevents them from rescinding it like we saw Carolina do with Josh Norman. Exactly. Year, right? And so if you're Tremaine Johnson, obviously, that's that's exactly what you're going to Who do. Who wouldn't rush to the printer to sign a piece of paper that guarantees you $17 million for, I would for next do year? That I mean, there, there have been individuals who have been disgruntled by the franchise tag and have threatened uh, holdouts, but in this particular instance, I think it made sense for all parties. Absolutely. So let's kind of go on um, to a little bit of other news that, mm -hmm. that came down. Uh, Dominique Easley, the Rams, placed um, a, rush, a restricted free agent tender right. on him. Now, it's the original round, which it just so happens to be that Dominique Easley was drafted in the first round. So, basically, there are three levels of compensation, or three levels of tenders, I guess I should say, for restricted free agents. There's the first round, there's the second round, there's the original round. And they've all got different levels of compensation that are attached to it. So 
the Rams give Dominique Easley the original round tender, and that means they're paying him at the lowest compensation level for the restricted free agent tenders, but because he's drafted in the first round, and there was some clarification on this, he if there is another team that wants to sign him to a deal, the Rams, yes, will have the right to match it, you know, the right of first refusal, but if that team would then want to sign Easley, then it would be a first-round pick that would need to be offered to the Rams in terms of compensation for him. So, it, Will there be a test on this at the end of the podcast? There, I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm trying very hard to, it's to, a little to stay with you, but because, and I, I get where we're going in general. Right, I, and I think it's, it, it's interesting because, you know, you see different headlines, and it's like Rams plays first-round tender on easily, and it's like kind of, but not really, because if it's the first-round tender, then that's one level of money, Right. And I think Easley would probably prefer to have that amount of money than the original round tender, which is lower. So mm-hmm. these are all things you, you got to think about. But I, I think just in terms of having Easley around as, as a rotational defensive line player, I think that's a good move to try to keep him. I go back a year. I think it was a good move to bring Dom Easley in. His release uh, from New England was a bit of a shocker. Yeah. And the biggest thing for me was in L.A. he had a healthy season. And he got a, a career high uh, in sack total, and and I mean, for the fact that New England was paying him partially for the year that the Rams got out of him, I thought that was a really nice find. Yeah. And, and again, for the, the direction they're going with their defensive front, I think Dom offers them a lot moving forward, so this uh, doesn't necessarily surprise me. But you're talking about a guy who tore both ACLs in college, um, had another knee put him on, on IR as a rookie, and then tore his quad in 15. You see what a 16-game season looks like from an individual who is a top 30 pick to begin with. And, um, again, we've, we've talked about some of the moves that have not worked out the way the Rams had hoped in yeah. recent podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's one that, you know, is probably an underrated move for this Los Angeles franchise. I, I think it worked out well. It did work out well. And, you know, you, you brought up the career highs in everything. Basically, he, he got through, you know. He had 50 tackles, three and a half sacks. Those are good numbers, I think, for a rotational guy on the inside in particular. You know, it's not easy to get up in there like a guy like Aaron Donald makes it seem like it's really easy. But when you have somebody like Don Easley who can be an interior pass rusher, that's obviously important for any defensive scheme. And I think that's one of the reasons why it'll be good to have him in, in Wade Phillips' defensive scheme. And especially in a year 2016 where Brockers was not 100%. Right. And so yeah. where would the Rams have been without Dom as reinforcement? Yeah, exactly. So keeping him around, I think, is going to be a good move. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of other free agents that are on the Rams list in particular um, that are going to be coming out and, you know, going to be unrestricted here. And two of those guys, I think, that are sort of at the top of mind for people would be TJ McDonald mm-hmm. and then Kenny Britt. Do you expect either of them to be back? Probably not. Yeah. I would have to say probably not. Uh, Part of the reason in TJ's case would be because of the draft potential at safety Hmm. uh, would probably undermine his case. And it's a a good receiver group as well for Kenny. Uh, I think Kenny would probably have to be interested in giving a a significant hometown discount. But if he's going to go at full market value... Um, I'm not sure what this staff's opinion of Kenny's 2017 and beyond is, but yeah. but that'll be uh, the litmus test, I guess. Those players deserve to test the market. I hope they get paid top dollar. Yeah. Uh, whether or not, again, their horizons match up with um, where the Rams are in terms of developing their receiver group and the back end of their defense, who knows? Now, if, if something were to happen instantaneously with Tremaine Johnson and suddenly there's more money to play with, um, now that, that could 
change. And, and here's the other part of free agency. We saw this uh, today with San Diego specifically. It, not only are you going out and you, are you adding players and spending money, but you're also removing players and, and aggregating money. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that will be as indicative of how the Rams new staff feels about the current roster as who they go out to supplement it, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. And I, I sort of agree with you just on the, the principle of, okay, we might not see TJ McDonald and Kenny Britt in Rams uniforms any, any longer. And I, I get that in some ways from what Les Snead was talking about uh, last week at the Combine when he basically said that both of those guys are going to go and test the market and then, you know, we'll be in touch with their representation, but we'll see basically mm -hmm. after that. And so with a guy like uh, a TJ McDonald in particular, he has been a good hard-hitting safety for the Rams. You know, he's gone through some injury issues, but he's been, I think, pretty consistent in terms of that run game. And so uh, DeMarco was on the, the podcast a little while ago and we were talking about, you know, TJ McDonald being a potential free agent. And he said, you know, one of the things about McDonald is that in Wade Phillips' scheme, he's going to be down in that box safety, you know, pretty substantially, and he's going to be kind of your your thumper in some ways. And while you need that, you also, I think, have a guy in Maurice Alexander who has shown that he can kind of do some of those similar things. Mm -hmm. Maybe we didn't see it um, as much in 2016 as we did in 2015, um, when uh, uh, when Alexander was actually filling in at strong safety as a replacement for McDonald. But I, I think when you have a guy like an Alexander who you know can do some things in, in that regard, it might be a little bit easier to replace a safety position than it would be to replace some other positions on the defense. For some reason, my, my mind is flashing back to Mo kind of knocking himself out of the Atlanta game, wasn't it? Yeah. And if there's any question about his ability to be a thumper, a uh, question asked and answered yeah. in that regard. So, Yeah, it's just it's one of those situations, I think, where especially with these particular players, it's, it, it, it's kind of hard to handicap it. And I think what you brought up about the Tremaine Johnson trade potentially going through and that freeing up some money, and I think... If that were to happen, then yes, you probably start having different discussions because at least with a, a TJ McDonald, that's somebody that you know you can still kind of continue to grow in this defense and, and have him yeah. continue to grow with this team. I mean, I always default to the market is going to dictate, right? It, that's I, true, too. I, I think if you're playing at a sub-Pro Bowl level, let's just say generically, which uh, TJ and Kenny, despite having great seasons, is, is where they are as mm -hmm. professional football players, sure. the odds that you get a, a, a worthwhile extension to, say, to stay put before you hit free agency it just doesn't happen in the modern NFL very often Correct. because of, of the replacement level that's available and the salary cap restrictions. Yeah, exactly. So then you also have guys, I'll go through the rest of the list here, Benny Cunningham, Case Keenum, Brian Quick, Chase Reynolds, Cam Thomas, and then Greg Zerline. Those are your remaining uh, unrestricted free agents. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, first off, I think we got to establish this, and I sort of regret not doing this earlier. When you have a new coaching staff, come in, there's going to be some pretty substantial roster turnover. And, you know, especially when you've got a team that has gone as long as this one has without a winning season, you have to really examine, okay, how much is it these players that are not necessarily getting the job done, you know what I mean? Or is it the scheme or who really is a piece that you can help build around and help move the Rams forward to where it becomes a winning program. And so I think in, in some ways, 
you got to think about these subtractions and saying, okay, what can we then do to get beyond that, mm -hmm. right? If, if these are folks who have contributed to, you know, seven win, six win, four win seasons, how much is that on, I'm not, and I'm not saying this is all on the players, obviously, you know, when the coaching staff gets dismissed, that's, that's part of it, right? But you also have to examine, okay, are these the players that can really help take us to the next level? And despite what their performances have been in the past, you've only been where you've been. Yeah. You know, when someone asks you a really complicated question and all you can say is yes, because the answer is like all of the above. <laughs> do the Rams... Did I just do no, that? Well, no, <laughs> I, it was just, do the Rams need to get more out of their existing roster in whatever portions it returns next year? Absolutely. Right. This coaching staff needs to get more out of the existing players. Sure. Do the Rams need to... Uh, bolster their roster in free agency? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do the Rams need to take what they're not able to address in free agency and do really well in those areas in the draft? Of course. It, it, it's a yes proposition. Sure. All of those things have to happen. But I also want to uh, double back to your, you mentioned Benny Cunningham. Mm -hmm. I think who is the Rams backup running back going to be in 2017 is, in my estimation from what I've heard and read, the least talked about storyline of this offseason for Los Angeles. I think it's an important one. It is. I mean, uh, let's face it, Todd Gurley sophomore slumped as hard as anyone has ever sophomore mm -hmm. slumped, and he's still not that far removed from a catastrophic injury. And what team has one running back play 16 games in the modern NFL? It just not many. the confluence of those factors means the Rams are going to need a Benny Cunningham or more in 2017. Right. And um, you know, given the running back crop in the draft. If someone were to fall to you, would there be a temptation to address that, given your other needs? I don't know, but it's an interesting proposition. It is an interesting proposition. And Benny Cunningham is not just, you know, the, the backup running back, so to speak. I mean, he has done an excellent job in pass protection. That's why he's been the third down back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking to um, Skip Pete, he said that one of the things that they want to get Todd Gurley better at into being this complete running back is the pass protection element. So I think that's something that, that they want to work on with Gurley regardless to keep him on the field. But, you know, Cunningham can get out there, he can block for you, and then he can make the receptions and he makes people miss. And so then he delivered. I mean, to my right. eye, in 2016, whether it was Tampa Bay or, or Carolina was another one where he just made huge game-extending plays, right. not to mention that he's a top-five kick returner in the game. And that's exactly where I was going yeah. to next. I mean, he yeah, he's been that for the last three seasons and I think you know that would only continue you would have to assume with Bones Fossil still staying on as the special teams coordinator so these are all positions that he fills and does a good job and the Rams would have to replace. I would love to see Benny back in in the Whitehorn helmet next yeah. year don't hey, get me wrong Whitehorns. but uh, you know there's a part of me that wonders if Benny would just like a fresh a change of scenery yeah. if he would like uh, the opportunity to demonstrate a different dimension or get more touches or whatever it is uh, I, I hope he wants to be back. I really do. He's a great individual in the locker room and on the field. Uh, but I don't feel like a lot of ink or a lot of airspace, including here in our studio, has been devoted to what's what's the backup plan to Todd Gurley at running back next yeah, year. Because, well, right now on the roster, aside from Gurley, you would have Malcolm Brown and Aaron Green. Right. So though both of those guys, I think, Not to write them some, off. Right. No, no, but, I agree. Yeah. But I, I think those guys have some potential. But... You know, Aaron Green, I think we could say, is more of the scat back type. I think Malcolm Brown probably fits a bit more of what Benny Cunningham was, just in terms of the body type, more stocky, you know, uh, powerful right. back. Than but you, you watch, have. and 
on draft day, whatever it is, day two or day three, there will be someone at that position available when the Rams pick oh, sure. round two, round three that make that make I think a Rams fan pause to say, hmm, what a Christian McCaffrey sitting there. <laughs> I don't think he's going. I don't think so either. But if he were, but based on current, you know, yeah. draft boards today, is he that far off? He had a great combine. Um, if you don't mind a guy who who can't bench press, uh, <laughs> you know, he could be the next Kevin Durant in that regard, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, that was kind of funny. Anyways, I didn't mean to derail no. kind of where you're going with that. With yeah, who, what are we going to do at running back? But I, I do think Benny and that position are kind of the overlooked part of the Rams' needs right now. Well, I think the other thing that is going to get brought up more probably as we get into free agency is sort of the linebacker position, too, because there are going to have to be some decisions, right? Who, If we're going to move to this 3-4, and the Rams are going to do that, Wade Phillips is very clear in that he likes the 3-4 better than the 4-3 because he says it's better Mm -hmm. because you don't know where that fourth rusher is going to come from. So then... Who are going to be your outside linebackers, your, your rushers? Are, is one of them going to be a Robert Quinn? I think that, you know, he's, he's a pass rusher, right? I think that's a fair assumption to think that he's going to be out right. there rushing the passer. Your two inside guys, are those going to be Ogletree and Barron? At, at the way it stands now, it probably would be. But you've got to sort of fill out these roles. Maybe Josh Forrest coming back from jo- injury. Yeah, Josh Forrest is going to be another one of those guys that's in the mix. I mean, mm-hmm. other guys on the roster, Corey Littleton, Bryce Hager, those guys are all probably yeah. going to be in the mix for some of these jobs unless we see um, once free, agent, free agency hits, you know, some guys may start trickling down in that regard. And then in the draft, too, it's probably in a, in a position that they're going to want to address. The, the, line, the free agent linebacker group strikes me as training a little bit old. Yeah. In terms of the mm-hmm. available options. I mean, let's let what Dante Hightower is going to get some crazy number, right? Let's, yes. let's assume the Rams are out of that game. Sure. But like uh, uh, DeMarcus Ware, does that have like Wade Phillips reunion potential? I don't know. Like, Maybe. But there's other names that are in their mid to late 30s, like Robert Mathis, you know, uh, Julius Peppers. Is he going to give it another go around? Um, but are there a lot of options like kind of in the mid 20s coming off a first rookie contract sure. that you've heard of that, that strike the you? The one that would intrigue me would be a Jabal Sheard, um, okay. who's played for New England. He played for the Cleveland Browns as well. And so he's played that sort of outside linebacker edge rusher kind of position and so because he's got that 3-4 experience I think and and he's only 28 years old right I think he kind of fits that build of somebody that's in their kind of mid to late 20s that 27 to 29 range that you would probably prefer as a free agent because that means you're getting somebody and you think they're still kind of in their prime as opposed to somebody who's above 30 you know, and you think, oh, well, you know, you probably have only a couple good years. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one of those two years and we'll see contracts. In the in the rookie class, I'm a big fan of Tack McKinley's uh, for what he did here in Los Angeles at UCLA. And according to current draft projections, it seems like there's a decent chance he might be available to the Rams mm-hmm. at 37. And if he were, I, I wonder what their evaluation of him would be. Yeah. I mean, there's another guy, and you just brought up LA guys, Juju Smith-Schuster at wide receiver, another one Kind who, of the high second round, yeah, mid-second round area. Yeah, seems to be right. talked about in that area. And, you know, I didn't necessarily watch him as much as I'm sure you know, a lot of our audience <laughs> has watched right. him. But he just seems to be one of those guys that could be, you know, an impact guy at a position of need for the Los Angeles Rams. Could help on special teams, too. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, there's a little bit of boom or bust potential, but I, I, I like it, don't get me wrong, sure. with um, Adori and Juju Smith. I yeah. mean, I, I just see more of those guys, and so I think you're always biased to who you're yeah, familiar probably. with. Yeah, um, probably. Just like the defensive backs from Washington. And by the way, kudos to John Ross for running that, that 40 time. I know oh you want God. to talk about that, yeah. but uh, there are a lot of really good Washington uh, defensive backs, including Buda Baker, who if you do have a need at safety, depending on what happens with, with TJ, um, again, I would vouch for guys like that based yeah. on what I've seen from their college film. Yeah, well, well, we'll turn to another Washington, not the college, but the NFL franchise, because there are a couple of free agents that are coming out of there that have in various ways been linked to the Rams, probably right. because of their relationship with Sean McVay. And I'm talking about Deshaun Jackson, who actually is an L.A. native, and then Pierre Garçon, both wide receivers, you know, wide receiver, again, this kind of position of need for the L.A. Rams and those really, I think, are two guys that you can kind of maybe see in an L.A. Rams uniform because of their relationship with McVay. You could, and no one's going to know that better than the head coach. So mm -hmm. that, to me, is an easy one, not for us necessarily to talk about. But I think in terms of making that decision in that room, I, right. I think the answer there will be pretty clear in terms of, is this guy worth this amount of years and this amount of dollars? Uh, you have the authoritative source on that mm -hmm. uh, at your disposal. I think the, the good news... From my standpoint is the Rams don't necessi necessarily have to overextend themselves to get a player like that. And, and there's a market right. for those players. They're going to have some competition for those players. But because of what else has come available, especially in the last week or so, whether it's uh, Stevie Johnson today coming off a of meniscus, Brandon Marshall, the 49ers releasing Torrey Smith. Right. Um, the Cleveland apparently ha has now allowed Terrell Pryor to hit the free agent mark. So there, there are more options than a month ago, I think, I would have expected at wide receiver because I do think even if someone brilliant falls into your hands in the draft, I, I do think at that position, if you're going to let Kenny Britt walk, you still need someone established and veteran because of, of what you need to offer Jared Goff. Well, right, year. exactly. Yeah. The, the young quarterback issue element of it is just, that's huge. If it's not a true number one, it's got to be a really reliable number. I mean, you you got to right. have someone that he can get the ball to. Absolutely, yeah. and I think be, between those two guys – if I think if I'm going to handicap one that I think is going to be maybe a better fit for this Rams roster as it's currently constructed, I might go with Garcon just because Deshaun Jackson almost is the sort of mold that you would like Tavon Austin to be. You know what I mean? A shorter guy, a lot of speed, can get down the field. Now, does Tavon Austin still have work to do in order to become the caliber of a Deshaun Jackson, obviously 100% right. yes. But at the same time, you know, now with this new offensive staff and Tavon Austin has already received a significant contract extension, he's going to be on the team, you know, going into 2017, not uh, barring any kind of trade, which again would mean that a team would pick up uh, that pretty big substantial contract extension. I think if we're going to say, okay, who's a better fit right now for this team, Garcon or, or Deshaun Jackson, I think it would probably be Pierre Garcon. No, this, it, because of how it happens sequentially, I'm not sure one impacts the other, but the fact that there were nearly 60 wide receivers at the Combine, too, does that, does that soften the competition at all at the wide receiver position in free agency? Is someone more inclined to say, you know what, I'll take my chances on my draft board with options like you know, Juju Smith-Schuster mm -hmm. and, and Cooper Cup and Chad Hansen and on and on, as opposed to chasing big-time free agents with, with our budget. Um, who knows, even if that takes one or two players out of the game, maybe that gives the Rams a better chance at an Alshon or a Deshaun or a Pierre. Yeah, I think so too, because 
what where the Rams are right now is they need offensive playmakers, right? So I think what what you're saying a lot of maybe applies better for some other teams in the league because if you're still if you're the Rams, like if you pick up one of these receivers, you're still trying to pick up a receiver in the draft in all likelihood, right? Yeah. I mean, just based on the way everything has gone. Well, I, I, what does the new staff think of uh, Farrow Cooper? Happy birthday, by the way, oh, as yeah, well. I mean, birthday. would you redraft Farrow Cooper? You know, if you could kind of go back in time, do they feel good enough about what he offers them that if he doesn't take that injury in Denver, that he might be an impact guy coming back in year two? Right. You know, I'll, again, I still think one of these free agent candidates is likely to be in Los Angeles because yes. of the money that the Rams have available and because of the need given what they're trying to do on offense and the familiarity with the new head coach and some of the, the individuals. Yeah, and the, you know, you brought up Farrell Cooper, I think another one of these guys that is going to be talked about is having maybe a bigger role in the offense. And I wrote about this um, from the combine is Tyler Higby. And that's sort of because of the way McVay utilizes the tight end position. Mm -hmm. He's big into using the tight ends, and he did this um, very well in Washington with Jordan Reed. Now, Higby was a lot of the time used as an inline tight end. Do a lot of blocking he was asked to do, probably more, a lot more than he was asked to do in college. And what I thought, you know, was sort of these interesting things that probably just happened because of matchups and, and maybe different things that were going on was in training camp and OTAs, seemed like he was flexed out a little bit more. You know, think of a Jimmy Graham type, a Travis Kelsey, Tyler Eifert, somebody more like that than he was once the regular season hit and he was still more, he was more used as that inline tight end guy. Wasn't really going down the seam very much trying to make those kinds of, of, of receptions. And I think with Higby, that's what you got to start getting out of him. That's the yeah. way you, you're going to start using him. Well, especially is, is Lance playing next to him or opposite him or not? Sure. That's another unanswered question. Yeah. And is Tamaric Hemingway part of your future or not? And, uh, oh, by the way, in the background, this might be the best tight end draft class in the history of, of the combine. Right. Um, I, I wrote down one comment uh, from Mike Tanner, I think it was, like the fifth best tight end in this class would probably be, have been the first tight end off the board in prior classes. So... Um, again, are, are you willing to stand pat at your tight end position given uh, the double draft investment last year? Mm -hmm. Or do you feel like to execute McVay's offense the way it ran in Washington, uh, you need to shuffle some of that deck? Yeah, I, you probably do need to shuffle at least some of it. I mean, the Rams were 32. So how many, how many needs and how many picks and how many dollars have we gone through already? We've do, gone through a lot do those of stuff. All, do those JB, all align? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's a bit daunting. It's, I, it I don't is, envy it the It is task. daunting, and I think that's <clears> one of the, these things that we've got to sort of get out there, too. You're not going to solve every single issue in this one offseason. You're just not right. because of the way that, again, you're, you're changing <clears> a defensive <throat> scheme. That's one thing. But your offense has been number 32 for the last two years. And, you know, it, it, it got worse from 2015 to, into 2016. So how does all of this come together so that you can hopefully develop your number one overall pick, that is a quarterback, into one of the better guys in the league? Well, now, you, you hope you've got the right staff to do that, but then you've got to put the personnel together to also make that happen. And, and that's where I go back to the answer is yes, right? Because somewhere along the line, you're going to have to do more with what's existing because mm -hmm. uh, the entire offensive line is not going to turn over. You're going to have no, returning parts of that offensive line, and the challenge for that uh, position group and that coach and the head coach is going to be can we achieve at more of a – uh, 2015 rather than 2016 level and can we improve on that as well and and if not um, 
you know, does does this plug and play make ev the other four pieces better? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, because you're not, you might be able to get one or two. You're not going to turn over five, right? Well, if, if you want to get things done in other areas, absolutely. And some it's something that Les Snead brought up um, over this last week was, okay, you have your offensive line, and it and it performed pretty much at the at one rate in 2015 right and you have most of those guys that came back and then they don't perform at that level in mm -hmm. 2016 you have to look at why because like you just said you're not going to turn over your entire offensive line in all likelihood so i think what the rams have got to do is examine okay where does each person best fit across that offensive line and i think the guy that this is going to be brought up the most about is Greg Robinson, mm -hmm. clearly. And what I thought was really interesting last week was Snead basically said when it comes to Robinson, all the positions across the offensive line are probably on the table with the exception of center. So it's not necessarily like they've got one thing decided, but mm -hmm. they've got to really still evaluate where does Greg Robinson best fit. And you have to weigh that against the fact that his body type is probably the best you can ever ask for for a tackle in this yeah, league. straight out of central casting. Exactly. But it's going to be a tough market along that offensive line because behind it in the draft, it's a soft draft class. It is. So that's going to drive up the price it of is. a lot of the free agents that you're already seeing, the dollars that they're going to command, and, and are the Rams willing to pay over what they've drafted to replace someone that they've put some draft equity in? Or would they risk standing relatively pat? Again, you're not going to see that same group back intact. Uh, no, but but yeah. will they be willing to give guys second or third chances under new leadership to try and maximize the potential that they saw two or three years ago? Exactly. And so to that end, I mean, names I, I put on the sort of list here that the Rams might look at when it comes to offensive line. Guards, Kevin Zeitler from Cincinnati, TJ Lang from Green Bay. Zeitler's 27. Lang is 29. So again, you're looking in that you know 26 to 29 range. You want to get guys probably before mm -hmm. they're on that edge of 30. You know, Russell Okung from Denver, also 28. Uh, Laura Warford, Detroit, 26. Ronald Leary from Dallas, 28. So again, it's like if you're looking at these guys you want to make sure that if the Rams are going to sign them, they're likely going to be here for a little while. Not You're not probably going to look for that 31 and older range. Truth be told, full disclosure here, I have not had much time or bandwidth to devote to watching interior offensive line play for the Cincinnati Bengals. So I, I will, <laughs> Neither de have I, I will so defer I to Coach it. Cromer on that one and, and trust that the best possible product will be found uh, between him, between yeah. Coach McBay, between uh, Les Snead and... and next season yeah exactly so i don't know if we if we do you know but if you want to pay larry warford for five years and 60 million dollars i'm on board i'll you sign know, off if we, if the rams do so happen to uh pick up one of these guys we'll probably do an all 22 on them so that <laughs> is how you'll be able to get I, in your i will be watching yes i will i will yeah. be uh briefing myself off of that thank excellent. you excellent so you brought this up earlier but i do want to get into this uh, john ross's 4.2240 at the combine yeah uh, wh where did you see see it first what was your reaction uh you know heard about it first i forget where i think i was doing basketball or something like uh. that um so i i honestly i thought he had the potential to do it i'm still surprised he did it because sure. of what an achievement it is uh, but i remember doing washington uh, games uh, when he was injured and and seeing how much the offense struggled and then from the moment he set foot back on the field how everything fell into place yeah i mean it, it was from from day one last september so uh, I'm happy for him. 
maybe if he had played his shoe cards differently, he would be a little bit wealthier, yes. right? I know that one's probably bugging you. Oh, it's it's bugging me a lot. <laughs> like you could probably, if you saw my reaction on Twitter on on Saturday when this happened. I so mean, spell that out. Spell that out. Well, it was funny because. <clears throat> When we, when you hear about this, and Adidas does this marketing campaign every year, right? Mm -hmm. They they give a million dollars if somebody is gonna break the record set by Chris Johnson of the four point two four forty. So, you naturally assume that. Well, okay, we gotta back up even further because this year they said they're giving away a private island, and when I first heard that, I was worth like, worth about a million, right? Yes, worth at worth at or less than. I don't a know what the dollars. going rate for an island is, but apparently it's a million. I don't either, and they apparently so they picked Adidas picked out like four or five island spots, and they get to pick this island that they one was off the coast of Maine or something. Like I don't know why you necessarily want an island in Maine. Yeah, that's not where I'd want my island. I. If I'm sure it's beautiful, I, but it, it probably is. But if it's an island, I want it. Like I want a private island. I've been thinking about this for a long time. I know you've got to pay for all the upkeep and things like that, but like if you're gonna give me an island, I want the island. And so that's why I was particularly disappointed on Saturday when I see that he's run this 4.2240, which was funny because so I'm in the media room, the media center in that Indiana Convention Center, right? So they've got this on the TV because all of us are trying to write our stories. So everybody knows John Ross has the chance to break the record, but when he is running the 40 time on the TV, they don't show how fast he's running. So everybody's like, what, what in the world? What's going on? Like, like you don't see is... his time post when he yes. crosses the line? Right, because usually when they go through it, every, you can see their time as it's going, and they stop it when the, when the clock, okay. when he crosses the line. So for him, everybody's like, why isn't the time showing up? Why isn't the time showing up? And then they show 4.22, and the entire room is like, whoa, oh. And so then, of course, I'm on Twitter, like, 4.22, question mark, question mark, is that an island? Because I think that he's wearing Adidas. Like, that's cool. It's amazing. He's going to get an island. And this fool's wearing Nike. Why are you wearing Nike? What are you doing? Come on, man. I haven't seen his Nike contract, but given what he ran, I'm guessing he can buy a couple of islands. He, at the I, going well, rate. he better be able to buy a couple of islands. But it's also, I think, a missed opportunity for Adidas. Because, look, if you know this guy has a chance to set this record, and you got to go hard after this guy, right? They should have they gone hard. But, you know, he is in the Pacific Northwest in Washington. Right, so Oregon just down the road. Nike school. Nike school and all that. I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, like, if, if I have a chance to win a private island, I'm going for the private island. The other money be damned. What are the three things you're bringing to that private island? Hmm. Oh, this is a really good question. Uh, the three things. Well, if I also, have also, what if what if Revis Island is your neighbor? Well, then Revis. It's a resort now. Haven't you heard that it's open for business? It's not just a stranded desert island. No, I like this question. I want to answer this. Uh, the three things I'm bringing to my private island: um, probably a good music sound system, a okay. mosquito net, and a comfortable place to sleep. Not sleeping on the sand. No, definitely okay. not sleeping on the sand. So I, I need I need a mattress, a, a bed, or a, a, a luxurious hammock. Yeah. A mosquito net. Yeah. Which you probably don't need if you're in Maine, but we'll assume that it's okay. Not yeah. It's a, a, it's a more and, tropical and island. Wired for sound. That's <laughs> yeah. that's Miles' idea of seclusion. Yeah, I think it would be amazing. Oh, I need something to. Uh, well, hopefully I have materials to cook with. Somebody else. Somebody else has got to be there for me because I can't. I'm not a fisher or fisherman. 
one of whatever word I'm I, supposed to be I wonder using. if you could Airbnb an island for enough money to make it worth the while of the, the upkeep and maintenance. I, yeah, yeah. that would be interesting. Because uh, uh, John, I think, is going to be occupied. He's not going to have the opportunity. No, but... And he said he doesn't have a boat. Oh, so. he, and he said he doesn't swim very well. All of these things I don't think matter. Who doesn't like a beach party? <laughs> Come on. You need to... So, whatever. But speaking of beach parties... Somebody on this set right now went to some place with a lot of beaches over yeah, the last couple of weeks, and it I, wasn't me. I think I'm going to disappoint you, though, because, uh, <laughs> you know, truth be told, yes, uh, my wife is from Honolulu and still has family there, so we do go once or twice per year. Um, and it's a wonderful time, and, and I'm really glad that we got to go this year. Uh, but it was, it was a little windy, a little cool, and uh, we had some family obligations and a few other to-dos. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't necessarily a toes-in-the-sand vacation and uh, with a 10-month-old at home, I'm, I'm, not sure that, I'm not sure there's going to be one of those anywhere in our immediate future anyway. But, uh, yeah, you, you've had your, uh, your time to get away, yes. and, and Danny has as well, and uh, we, we all need to recharge. But uh, coming back this week and being here with you is, uh, I think this is the first time I've been anxious for the next season. Like, this is the first time where I'm like, man, it feels like kickoff is a long way away. How, yeah. how, how is this time going to pass? Yeah. I'm sure it will. Well, you know, the thing is, once you get through this month, I mean, the off-season program starts April 10th. I know. 10th. I was looking at that, yeah. So, and it's not like, you know, we'll, we'll be able to cover everything that's going on Isn't right it the there. third? Don't we get to start earlier this year because of the coaching staff? Yeah, or I, that wrong? I thought so. Yeah. Um, McVeigh keeps saying April 10th when he's gotcha. talking to the media. So, I guess maybe it, it goes a little bit longer to... Um, uh, even things out in that particular way, but I, I, I don't You'll know. You'll get some clarification on that in tweeting We absolutely out. will yeah, get okay. some clarification on that. So before we go, okay, so our people, if you've been watching this on therams.com, you could probably notice that like I'm really super casual today, like more than Yeah, notice the chili peppers. So I'm wearing my Red Hot Chili Peppers shirt. No vest. Yes, no vest. I yeah. know, it's a little too warm for the vest now. It's like, it's reached the 70 degree threshold Thank goodness. in Southern California. Thank goodness. Yeah, this is what people keep saying, you know, that like, oh, this when we had so much rain, we had so, like, it was just cool, it was just winter. It was fine, it's okay. Dude, compare it to next year. <laughs> compare it to next year. It'll swing the other way and you'll be like, okay, this is what the Los Angeles winter was supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, that's what people keep saying. But to, to, this, to this Chili Peppers point, so they're playing at the Staples Center basically all week, so I'm gonna go uh, tonight with one of my friends um, from work, really. Um, and so this, I think, is going to be an interesting thing because I do not go see concerts mm -hmm. all that often. But, like, we supposedly have good seats. And the Chili Peppers are supposed to be, like, a great, great show. And mm -hmm. based on what they did, you know, game one, like, I think that's going to be pretty cool. I think there's going to be a little bit more stage production element Probably. available to them tonight at <laughs> yeah. Staples than there was at, <laughs> at, the, the at the end zone of the Coliseum. What was that, like? 30 minutes before kickoff? It was the something like that. And they, everybody right. did a really, really good job. Shout out to my boss, Chris Slepp, for putting that together and making sure it actually went off without a hitch. The great thing about that, I always thought, and I think this would have been the case anyways, is is everyone was in their seat, right? Yeah. For, like, that was really well timed out such that there was a good reason to get there early. Not, the traffic would have been a disaster too. <laughs> but uh, you're in there, you're in your seat, you see kickoff, you see the uniforms. Uh, for all the, the tough times that we endured in, in the most recent season, that was a highlight for that sure. That was a highlight. Okay, so Let I'm me putting, know what the playlist is like. I will, but I'm putting you on the spot. What's the best concert you've ever been to? Oh, wow. You uh, 2 came to campus, came to Notre Dame uh, shortly after 9-11 and oh, wow. uh, played at kind of a, a, our small basketball arena. And that was, I think that's about as small a venue as U2 really ever yeah. plays. That was pretty special. 
Um, I've seen uh, Guns N' Roses a couple of times and then they've canceled the rest of their tour shortly thereafter. So I feel like I, I got in under the wire there on a couple of good uh, Guns N' Roses shows. Uh, Dave Matthews, when Dave and that band were in their prime, was uh, about, a, about a good two-hour session as, as I could get. So hmm, interesting. I've seen them a couple of times as oh, yeah. well. So I've been, I've been to a couple Beyonce concerts. Actually, I've been to, I think, three. So I've seen Beyonce more than any other artist because Beyonce is the queen, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, you got to see Queen Bee. But the one that stands out the most to me of her concerts is when I saw her in New Jersey, in Atlantic City, it was like right after she had the first baby. I think it was like her first concert back, so that was really awesome. But probably the best concert I've been to was NERD. Are you familiar with NERD? I'm not. Okay, well it's Pharrell Williams. So like his, like with the Neptunes, they used to go and tour around. So I was in high school, I think. And they were playing at the House of Blues in Cleveland. And it was, they had two drum sets and they played, they played they play most of their newer stuff that at that time was, you know, not, I don't know. It, it's better than their more recent stuff, uh-huh. but like then it was really good. So yeah, I guess that was the, that was the best thing. They played, the, um, gosh darn it, I can't remember the, the name of the song. She Wants to Move, there. And it was, two, they had two drum sets and they were just banging on these drum sets. It was one of the most amazing So if I Pandora that, would I get a pretty good playlist out of that? Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, no, I might do that. It's a great song. It's my favorite album of all time, Fly or Die. Well, thanks for having me back. I mean, it, it, I don't know about you, but to me, it's a tough time of year. It's yeah. tough to talk about some of these things because, for instance, like Tremaine, like I know we're all I, speculating. I, it's hypothetical, and, and I and I don't want to be the one saying, "Oh, I, if we get a first round or a second round pick for him, ship him out right now." Like that's <laughs> right. It's difficult for me to talk about men and their families and their profession in, in this way, but it's this is where I, I think championships are built. It's is true. this time of year, and so. Uh, you know, g- good luck to all the people who are going to have to make these decisions. And, uh, and, and on the player side, I, I hope it works out for them both financially and, and professionally as well. Absolutely. Well, hey, that's a great parting shot, JB. So everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this edition of Between the Horns. Be sure to stay tuned to therams.com as we will have free agency coverage all throughout the week. Thank you to my producer, Josh. For JB, I'm Miles Simmons. Wherever you may be in football, we'll see you next time. Rabbit, do you know-